So I've entitled the, the message this morning, Mothers Are Amazing. How many of you guys know that moms are pretty amazing? They really are. The thing is, is that moms do a lot of things a lot better than dads do them. First off, I think moms love better than dads. Moms love in a different kind of way, in a more intense way. And I think the closest that we can see that's a comparison to, to how much Christ loves us is to look at how moms love their children. That's probably the closest analog to see that kind of love. And I see my wife, my wife love in ways that I, I can't even comprehend. You know, she, she thinks of things that I never think of. She, uh, and not even just for her kids, the truth is, is that uh, how things are here in a lot of ways is because of how, how my wife loves differently than I am. And make sure you guys are taken care of. Even helps to make sure that I'm taking care of you guys. So you should thank her. And also realize that I love my children. There's no doubt about that. I love them in, in an incredible amount. But I don't think that I love them the way that my wife does. There is a difference. Moms are also strong. How many of you guys know that moms are super strong? Not only mentally and emotionally, but really physically too. Did you know moms have special muscles just for babies? Listen, my wife could carry a kid on her hip for hours at a time, going through the store, going through, you know, we'd go to ball games, we'd go to the store, we'd go anywhere. She could just, a kid in her arms. I got it there for like three and a half minutes. My arms ache and I can't hold it up. I can barely walk. Mom just got different sets of muscles for those kinds of things. I don't know how that works. In addition, when... Uh, when the kids were at home with us, Michelle used to work full-time, obviously, actually most of the time working overtime. And, and uh, while I think I got better over the years at helping out and being more involved, she still was the one that was the, the backbone of the household, that kept the family together, that took care of my kids and took care of myself as well. I also saw something in her that, that I don't see in, in the same way in a lot of men is that uh, she was willing to sacrifice more than anybody I know. And I don't think it was unique to her. It's a, it's a mom thing. Moms sacrifice regularly and often. And if not most of the time, they just do it without, without applause. I know that my mom and my wife have given up so much to ensure, in order to ensure that the families were taken care of. They put up with all the mess and the rebellion, the disrespect that comes all so often, yet they still just keep on trucking. They keep coming. I know with Michelle, she would spend more money making sure the kids were taken care of, even on stuff they didn't need, much to uh, my chagrin sometimes. Out of sacrifice, she, she would go without to make sure that they had and I don't even know if they recognized it, but she did. And really, the whole idea of, of having children starts with sacrifice. I mean, they sacrifice their body right off the bat. And they endure 
unimaginable pain just to kick off this thing called motherhood. And I don't know if your mom is like this, but uh, my mom and certainly my wife can be stubborn. Amen? Listen, I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean they don't give up. I've heard so many stories from great men of God who will tell you that they are here today because their mothers were stubborn and never gave up on them. You see, they're the ones that in the middle of the night are on their knees praying for their wayward children to come back home every night over and over and over. They're the ones who are sacrificing. And I've known so many, like I said, so many men of God have said that I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in the church. I wouldn't be ministering. I wouldn't be doing any of this if my mom wasn't stubborn and kept praying for me. So today as we dive into it, I want to take a look at some examples in the Bible of mothers who demonstrated these very qualities. Amen? In Matthew 15, 21 through 28, 28, it says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So this here in the story of the Canaanite woman is, is a perfect example of a mother's stubbornness and unwillingness to give up. You know, how many know that it would have been so much easier for her if she would have just shied away? I mean, when you got first the disciples trying to shoo her away, push her away, saying, Jesus, send her away, she's bothering us. Yet she perseveres. And then when she begins to talk to Jesus, Jesus initially tells her no. Yet she perseveres. She's stubborn. She doesn't give up because that's what moms do. And, and the reality is, is that, that she shouldn't have even approached Jesus for two reasons. One, she was a woman. That was inappropriate. And two, she wasn't even a Jewish woman. She was a Gentile. The truth is, is that she could have been severely disciplined or punished for what she just did but she was going to stand up for her kids because that's what moms do she braved what have, could have cost her physically for her daughter to make sure that her daughter was taken care of when she was told no she persisted and then jesus says her faith was great you see, that's the thing, is she believed something better for her daughter. Just like I said before, all those men of, of God who said that their, their moms were on their knees praying for them because they believed something better for their son. She believed something better for her daughter. And she believed in the Son of God to make good on His promise. She believed that He could do it. So she endured everything, potentially even being stoned. Who knows what the crowd would have done once everything got kicked up. 
But that's the thing about moms is they don't give up. They keep pressing in. Then in 2 Kings 4.18-23, we have the story of the Shunammite woman and her son. In verse 18, it says, When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, All is well. This is an interesting story, this Shunanite woman. She was a, a wealthy woman and, and uh, she had an old husband. She had no children when she first met, first met Elisha. And she used to feed Elisha when he would come through town. He would visit, come through the town. She would take care of him. She would feed him. She would give him a place to stay. And actually, it became so common that she actually built a room separately for him so that he had a place to stay whenever he came through. And for this, because he realized that this woman was taking care of him, Elisha said, what is it that I can do for you? for her here. And then he prophesied and said that she would conceive and have a son. You see, this son wasn't supposed to exist. It wasn't supposed to happen. The only reason he was around, it was a true miracle from God. God moved in this woman's life. And that's obvious from the story that she had this son. And he wasn't very old when all of a sudden he wasn't feeling well. And then he passes away. Now, this is crazy because this is something this woman has been asking for. It's a miracle of God. And then all of a sudden, the child passed away. And I don't know how I would feel in her situation. Would I be angry at God because, you know, he, he, he gave me this kid and then, and then he passed away? I, would you, can you imagine the arguments in her head? Can you imagine the, you know, why give him to me in the first place if you're just going to take him away from me a, a short time later? There could have been any number of things going through her head, but instead she says something interesting. She doesn't say any of those negative things. She says, all is well. This is a very strange thing to say to me because if I were in her position, I don't think I would be saying all is well. So anyway, she goes up and she sets off after Elisha, the man of God. So she sent out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. This is 2 Kings 4, 25 through 27 came out to the man of God at Mount Carmel, and when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, a servant, look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. And then in verse 27, it says, when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me, and he has not told me. So she gets on the donkey, she heads out, she's making her way, and if you know the whole story, Elisha sends Gehazi out to her, he talks to her, she comes back, she says, All is well. Then she comes to his feet, you know, all is well. 
And it's such a strange thing because, you know, we know all is not well. Her son has passed away. But once again, we see this stubbornness and this dedication of a mother who's not willing to let go, who's willing to to persevere and push through, who's willing to trust God that he has something better for her son. She believed the word of God when it was prophesied that said that she would have a son, and she believed that her son would live. You know, this is one of those areas where where, where people will, will think that Christians are getting crazy or having blind faith or we're just lying to ourselves. But this is one of those areas where I think there's a difference between the facts and the truth. The fact was is that her son was dead, but the truth was all is well. She believed that God would keep his promise. She believed when God said you're going to have a son that her son would live. And she wasn't going to give up on that promise. She just wasn't going to go let it go by the wayside. She was going to continue believing God, stubbornly believing. You know what? I think we would all do better if we would stubbornly believe God. Amen? Instead of starting making excuses for why things aren't happening the way we expect them to happen. We should start stubbornly believing God like this woman. Now, if you know the rest of the story, it turns out she was right. All was well. Elisha goes to her house, prays for the kid. The kid comes back to life. But I don't know if she was crazy. She was just living in denial. Apparently not. She was a mom who was going to stubbornly believe God that his word was true. And as a result, her son lives again. What if she wouldn't have been so stubborn? What if she wouldn't have wrote out to Elijah and said, come home? He would have never have known. Even as she came up to him and said, the Lord hasn't revealed it to me, he would have never have known. Wouldn't have found out till the next time he visited. Because as we saw a little while ago, it's not the time for the visit, right? It's not the Sabbath or the new moon. It's not the time for the visit. It would have been too late. But instead, she persevered. That's what moms do. They persevere. They don't give up. And then we're going to look at Moses' story. In Exodus 2, 1 through 10, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took from him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. And she put in the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And as his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while her young woman walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying and took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses, she said, because she said, I drew him out of the water. See, Moses' story who we see as the man who wrote 
the, the, the beginning of the Old Testament. He's the one that God picked to rescue the, the Jewish people out of Egypt. He's the one that, he's the only one in the Old Testament where God spoke to him face to face. God actually stood and spoke to him face to face. If you read the scripture, uh, it, the, the Bible says that he's the only one that God ever spoke to like that and wouldn't speak to like that again. It hasn't been until Jesus came that we have the opportunity to speak face to face to God. But so we know Moses, we know the, the importance of Moses in the story of the Bible, um, and, and it all started with the faithfulness of his mother the strength of his mother, the boldness of his mother, and even the sacrifice of his mother. It all started with her saying, you know what? I'm not going to let him die. And just from this passage, you don't understand the whole scope of what she's done, but let me give you some backstory. In Exodus 1.15-22, through 22, it says, And the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, what you serve, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women, see and see them on the birth stool. If it is a son, you shall kill him. If it's a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Do you guys ever have pictures in your mind of stuff that's happening? And I know this is silly, but every time I read this, all I can see is the woman giving birth and it coming out like a football and the midwife catching it and getting thrown against the back of the wall. I mean, this is some vigorous child rearing we got going on here. That's not the kind of stuff you guys picture when you read the Bible. Oh. It had to be something intense. They were they was coming out quick. He says, so God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. And the Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrew, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So when I talk about the, the, the stubbornness and the sacrifice and the love of Moses' mother, that's why, because Moses wasn't supposed to live. He was supposed to be killed because he was a male. Just for being a male, he was supposed to be destroyed. But she chose life for her son, even at her own risk. Had she been found out for trying to save her son, who knows what would have happened to her. It's funny, we live in a society today where being pro-life is considered negative by so many. We call babies fetuses instead of babies, so we can justify discarding them. Even though that's even a misnomer, all fetus is is Latin for offspring, which means baby. But at any rate, the, the, we, we call them zygotes or clumps of sails or whatever we can to devalue them. But here, Moses' mom, she chose life at any cost because this is what mothers do. 
They disregard the cost of themselves and they sacrifice deeply for their children. Not only did she risk her own health and safety by not letting the son be killed, then she hid him for three months and kept him uh, alive. And then she put him in a basket and threw him in the river. And, and can you imagine that kind of fear? Like, God, I, I got him this far, but we have to do something. And then she throws him in the river. And then she has to watch, or rather her, her, her daughter watches, that, that Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's daughter is going to take this baby she's wondering what's going to happen because the edict is still to kill every male baby and then we find out that that uh she goes ahead and and uh, the pharaoh's daughter servant takes the baby and says hey do you want me to go this is the most amazing thing to me do you want me to go find you someone among the midwives or the hebrews to nurse them and who did she go and find moses's mom how's that for god being faithful amen but even still after some time she still had to give her son up she had to give her son up in order for him to live. And that's what moms do. They love like that. They're willing to endure anything for the sake of their children. So she made the hard choice so that he might live. You know, there's many other moms in the Bible as well. This is the story of Rispah in 2 Samuel 21, 10-14. It says, Then Rispah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it over herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until rain fell upon them from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts of the field by night. And when David was told what Rispah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done, David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines killed Saul on Gilboa. And he brought up from, from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan, and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged, and they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin and Zelah in the tomb of Kish his father, and did all that the king commanded, and after that God responded to the plea for the land. So to give you some backstory of what's happening here, um, when Saul was king, he ended up slaughtering the Gibeonites. And because of that, there was a great drought in the land. The reason why there was a, a drought on the land because of what Saul did was because Israel in Joshua's day had made a vow to protect the Gibeonites. But in 2 Samuel 21.1, you can read how Saul broke that vow. And because he broke that vow, a drought came on the land. But now that David kings, he hears of what happened, and he makes retribution for that sin. And in verse uh, 6, we see that uh, seven of Saul's sons are given over to the Gibeonites to be hanged. And two of those sons are sons of Rizpah. So if you want to read more of that, you can back up a few verses and read about that in verse 6. But two of those sons are Rizpahs, which is one of Saul's concubines. And what was required is these, these, these men were out hung, um, and what was required is that their exposed bodies be taken down by sundown and buried. But because of Saul's great sin, what David had commanded um, to ensure that Saul's crime was sufficiently dealt with was that they remain exposed to the air, exposed to the elements, exposed to the animals. 
until the rains came. And that was to signify that the Lord uh, was, was satisfied and began blessing his people again. So instead of them being taken down, those bodies are left hanging there, and Rispa shows up, and she protects the bodies. She keeps them protected from the rain. She keeps the birds from coming there. Even after they had died, this mother's tenacity was such that she wouldn't let any additional harm come to her children. Even after they were gone, she vehemently protected her children. And this is a mother's love. That's a mother's resolve. This is the kind of dedication that we only see mothers have. And, and when David heard about it, he honors what she did, and he gathers up all the bones and actually makes sure they're buried and taken care of. He honors what she did. But it's incredible to see how moms are willing to endure anything for their children. And then finally, we're going to end with quite possibly the most famous mother in the Bible. In Luke 1, 26 through 31, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. Mary's story and that of her son starts with faith. She believed the word of God concerning her son. In verse 38, Luke 1.38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. By the way, that's great advice for every single one of us. That should be your response to the word, to the God, to God, is that let it be done to me according to your word. So Mary, that's how she responds. She says, you're going to be pregnant with a child. By the Holy Spirit, it's going to be Son, and uh, it's going to be the Son of God. And she responds, "Let it be done." She responds in faith, and let it be done according to your word. And now she's going to endure the physical struggle of childbirth, and truthfully, the additional struggles of a woman who was pregnant before she was married. This is uh, certainly tolerated much better in our society than it was back then. <clears throat> but she was willing to endure to sacrifice for her child and ultimately our Savior, amen. Then in Luke 2, 15 through 19, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, <clears throat> which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You see, Mary was a mom just like anybody else. Even though she was carrying the Son of God, she still dreamed for her child. She still imagined the things that he would do. She heard the stories and, and she wondered at what the shepherds told him, but she treasured all these things. She pondered them in her heart. She envisioned greatness for him. 
But I think all mothers do the same thing. It's not just because he was the son of God. Every mother ponders these things about her kids. She dreams about what they'll grow up to be, what they'll grow up to do, and want nothing but the best for them. And then they spend their entire lives doing everything that they can to ensure that their babies grow up to reach their full potential. Amen? And then in Luke 2, 15 through 19, it says, when the angels went away from them and... Sorry. Luke 2, 41 through 46 says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents, his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to him and asking them questions. The other thing I want to point out for all you moms out there is that if you ever thought that you were struggling or maybe ever thought that you weren't getting it perfect, don't worry, you're in pretty good company. Mary has been tasked with taking care of the Son of God and she lost him. Can you imagine having that conversation with God? So God... uh, you remember your son Jesus? Yeah, I know. I know he's going to be the savior of the world. And I, can we do it again? Do over? I, I lost him. I don't know what happened to him. Can you imagine losing the savior of the world, the son of God? The thing is, is that even though she wasn't perfect, and her trackhood for motherhood maybe wasn't perfect, doesn't mean she wasn't a perfect mom. And I think the same goes for all you mothers out there. The truth is, is that none of us do everything right. As parents, if you've already gotten through it, you just, really, I think a lot of it is just, man, we did the best we could. I hope we didn't mess them up too bad. (laughs) You know? But, uh, you know, moms give everything. And don't worry if you didn't do everything perfect. Just keep moving forward. Amen? For those of you that still have kids, or if you have grown kids, just because they move out of the house doesn't mean you stop being a mom, you stop caring. And we know that you're still contending and loving your children. And then we'll go ahead and read John 2, 1 through 5. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? This is how I know Jesus was the bravest man in the world. <laughs> he said, My hour is not yet come. And his mother said to his servant, Do whatever he tells you. Oh, brave man. Can you ever imagine going to your mom and saying, Woman, what does this have to do with me? You see, Jesus was brave not just because of what he endured for us. That bravery caused him to sweat blood. But he looked at his mom and said that. I had a pastor once who was teaching on this, and he's like, I am certain that Mary wore glasses. Because when he said, woman, what does that have to do with me? She went. (laughs) He says she had to have worn glasses. That just makes better illustration. (laughs) 
Can you imagine saying that to your mom? But you know what's awesome? Even after he was fully grown, he still listened to mama. You know he made that water turn into wine. He took care of it. He did it because mama said to. And you know what? Your children will continue to listen to you as well. Keep encouraging them. Keep pouring into them. Keep telling them what to do when they need to be encouraged to do what needs to be done. Amen? You have more influence than you can ever imagine. And then finally, we're trying to keep this a little bit short so you guys can get out and have the dinners and spend time with your family. But in John 19, 25-27, it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The reason I bring this up is because Mary never gave up. And she never walked away. Up to the very end, Jesus' mama was there for him. Anybody ever wonder why she was there? Because that's just what moms do. Moms are always there to the end. They don't give up. They don't quit. They love with a love that doesn't run out. And when, they, when we need them most, they are always there for us. Truth is, is moms are awesome. Moms are pretty amazing. And as a son... And on behalf of all the sons and daughters, moms, we thank you. Amen.